Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you've come back this week to study some more Bible with us. Uh, your questions, we'll see if we can get as many answered as we can today. That's what we do on this program for somebody that's just uh, stumbled onto it and seen it in their TV guide and wonders what Know Your Bible is all about. Uh, our goal is to help people understand their Bible better. And we could just go through and pick out all the things that we think you need to know. Uh, but we've decided a better method than that is to ask our viewers, what would you like to know? And that's what we do. There's a phone number and a website on the bottom of your screen. You use those anytime you want to get in touch with us and say, I've always wondered about this, or what's this verse mean, or is this doctrine really in the Bible? And we'll try to explain anything we <clears throat> possibly can to you. Uh, so you get to direct the program. All you have to do is take a moment to uh, call in or log on and uh, give us a question. And that's the direction we'll head in the weeks ahead. So that's what we do and why we're here. We've got a partner here, Toby Levering, that helps me answer questions each week. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're back and ready to go. And uh, we always start with one for our viewers. Uh, let you have at least one question a week. Uh, I want to know today, which apostles were brothers? Out of the 12 apostles, which one were brothers? And we'll give you an answer in about 30 minutes here and see if you get that one right. Uh, looks like I drew the first one today, so let's try this one. Uh, viewer wants to ex me to explain the difference between B.C. and A.D. and asks, why was time stopped when Jesus was here and restarted? Well, I don't think that's exactly the way we count time, but I understand what our viewer is asking. Uh, time didn't stop. We kept counting. Uh, trouble is the counting has changed a couple of times because we didn't know exactly where we were in history. Uh, didn't know who Jesus was until a few years later. So the BC stands for before Christ and the AD, uh, some people think it sounds for after death and that would leave a gap there of 30 some years. And that's probably what our viewer is thinking that well if you didn't count you counted before him, and then you didn't count again until his death. You missed those 30 years. Time stopped. Well, A.D. actually means Anno Domini. It's a Latin phrase. It means in the year of our Lord. So the year he was born was 1 A.D. That's the year of our Lord. That's the year he came to earth. So a few years after, obviously, because only a few people knew who Jesus was that year, uh, a few years after, somebody changed the calendar and said, all right, here's how we're going to keep time. Uh, our Lord and Savior was born about this year. That's going to be 1 A.D., Anno Domini, and then we're going to start counting from there, 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, and today we're up to 2015. <laughs> <laughs> and before Him, we're going to call that before Christ. So the year right before He was born is 1 B.C., 
and then the next year, two years before him was 2 B.C., and we're going to go backwards. Well, obviously, you couldn't have counted backwards back then, so we had to redo all the dates. So that's how that works. Anno Domini is the key. It's the year of our Lord. Now, I understand people are teaching different ways to count it these days, and it's the common era or something like that uh, to get Jesus out of our timekeeping, but he's in our timekeeping. It was the most important event ever happened on earth, and that's when we started counting time from his birth, the year of our Lord. So time wasn't skipped. It's just misinterpretation of A.D. probably. All right, Toby, you got one here. I do love that thought that even the atheist and the agnostic, when they write the year, are acknowledging there was a pretty big event 2015 years ago. Yep. Uh, yeah, the next question is a viewer wants to know <clears throat> was the role, what was the role of the apostles in the church? I have always enjoyed a, what a college professor taught me about the definition of apostle. He pulled a penny out of his pocket and he said, this is an apostle. We kind of all looked around confused. He said, an apostle is one cent. And I've always, that definition has always stuck with me as one pretty good. And Jesus uh, called these 12 men and uh, trained them and prepared them and then sent them out. And uh, I've always thought <clears throat> of an apostle in that way. He sent the apostles to spread the good news of Jesus and his kingdom, the church. Uh, was specifically, when you're asking what an apostle is, uh, Acts chapter 1, when they had to choose an apostle to replace Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, uh, they said there were two qualifications. Uh, one is they had to be a first-hand witness of Jesus and, and uh, his resurrection. And so those two things, as they looked at the people who they could have chose from, they laid down those two qualifications. So if you want to get more specific, you can look at those. But uh, the apostles were very simply the ones sent by Jesus to lead and to teach the early church. We know the early church devoted themselves, Acts 2.42, to the teaching of the apostles' doctrine. The things which they taught uh, were doctrine and they were the core beliefs. And that's why uh, in the church today, uh, in the New Testament church, we strive to be uh, centered around the apostles' doctrine, that is the teachings and the writings of Jesus in the New Testament. And uh, so that's the way we try to do today. Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, uh, Paul there writes this, Consequently, uh, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of His household, built on the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We remember, of course, Jesus is the cornerstone. We don't worship the apostles or anything like that, but uh, they were the primary ones that Jesus sent to lead the early church. Okay. Yeah, that'd be an interesting study. What exactly did the apostles do? We're not told a whole lot about it. Yeah. Uh, we know they served kind of uh, like the, the elders of a local yep. church mm -hmm. uh, until local churches were formed and had elders. Uh, when there was a big question, they'd go ask the apostles, the, apostles, yep. uh, the one about Gentiles. What, what do we do with Gentiles now that Paul's off baptizing Gentiles? <laughs> uh, they went back to Jerusalem and asked the apostles. Yep. The apostles said, all right, here's how we're going to handle that. So they started the early church and led it, like yep. you said. Yep. All righty, a question about... Uh, whether to be baptized or not. Viewer says, I was sprinkled at six or eight 
to be confirmed into a certain church. I edited this a bit. Uh, to be confirmed into a certain church, I now attend another church. Do I need to be baptized again? My preacher says I don't need to. Well, the first thing we learn here is that you can get different answers from different churches about baptism. Uh, different churches think differently about it and teach different doctrines. Uh, if you've been watching Know Your Bible very long at all, because we get a lot of questions about baptism, we talk about it a lot. And you know that we teach believers baptism. Uh, adult immersion is another way of saying that. Uh, we don't believe the Bible teaches anything about baptizing infants. Uh, you have to understand what you're doing. You have to be able to believe and repent, uh, be an adult in at least those senses. And then you need to be immersed is the mode of baptism that we believe the New Testament, uh, we know that's what the New Testament Christians followed. Uh, purpose of it is for forgiveness of sins. So in just a few sentences that's what we teach here at Know Your Bible. But this viewer wants to know, do I need to be baptized again? I was confirmed in this church. This church says I don't need to, all that. Uh, instead of trying to figure out exactly what church doctrine you're following, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. And I decided that would be the easiest and let you decide, do you need to be baptized again? I made up a little chart, a very short chart of what happens when someone's baptized. Let's go at it from that way and see if any of this interests you. Uh, most important thing perhaps is Romans 6, 3 and 4. It says when you are baptized, you are baptized into Christ. That's what puts you in Christ. Now the next five things are all things that the Bible says are in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. It's the only place salvation is. 2 Timothy 2.10. Every spiritual blessing is in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. You become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You have redemption through His blood. Ephesians 1.7. Paul says we in Christ have the redemption through His blood and we have the forgiveness of sins. All of those things happen in Christ. That's the only place they happen. Well, if I told you a building was full of $10 billion, you might say, how do I get into that building? Well, these are all the things in Christ, and the only thing you can find in the Bible as a way to get in there is Romans 6, 3, and 4, and other like verses that you are baptized into Christ. All right, a couple others. Peter says, 1 Peter 3, 21, we gain a clear conscience when we are baptized. It's not about washing our body. It's about giving us a clear conscience that we have obeyed. And that's the next one is we obey. Romans 6, 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. So, baptism is an obedience to what Christ commanded us to do. Acts 2, 38 says we receive the Holy Spirit. And Acts 2, 47 says we are added to the church, to the universal church, to the church that belongs to Christ. When we are saved, we are added to that church. Now, that's what happens when you're baptized, when you're immersed into Christ. Now, you take that chart, you take those concepts, uh, you look at where you are in life and realize that different churches will tell you different things, but that's what the Bible says. I just showed you. Uh, you can, I think, pretty quickly figure out if you need to be immersed or not. Or not. Uh, sprinkling at 7 or 8 for confirmation uh, didn't show up on that chart anywhere actually, so maybe that wasn't biblical baptism. <laughs> All right.
Brother Toby. Uh, I think we nope, got a Bible. Um, we got to talk about the Bible. That's right. Sometimes I, I forget. I get wrapped up in a question and forget what I'm supposed to do next. But uh, I'm supposed to take a little time to talk about studying the Bible together and uh, giving you some free Bible study materials that make it easy for you to study the Bible. Uh, we like to answer a few questions each week and help you learn a little bit about your Bible. But you'll learn a lot more if you're doing the studying yourself and the reading yourself. And you can take as much time as you want and uh, get pretty serious about it. This first set of lessons that we've got is there's eight of them, real basic Bible study, not anybody's doctrine or creed except what the Bible says. And a lot of it's history and information about the Bible so you'll know when it was written and why it was written and uh, <clears throat> just a good Bible study introduction. So when you're done with this one, we've got some more advanced courses, happy to provide them for you and uh, get you studying with Know Your Bible study tools for a long time. But this one's a good basic one. That's where we start. Uh, all you have to do is log on or call that phone number and uh, say you'd like that free course. We get it started for you. We'll send you the first one in the mail and uh, you can start working right through them. So uh, free to you. We even pay the postage. So absolutely no cost to you except a little bit of your time. And after you spend a little time in it, I bet you'll decide it's pretty well spent time. So give us a call and let us get it started for you. Now it's your turn. Okay. A viewer asked a very astute question about obedience in Luke, I'm sorry, about baptism in Luke 3.16, where it talks about Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, what is the fire? Well, let's go directly to the verse, Luke chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17, John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All right, so in this context, we hold it on the screen for just a second. He, go, he says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We know, of course, that Jesus taught to be baptized, which is done in water. And we know, of course, Acts 2.38, that it's done for the forgiveness of, the sin, of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is this fire? I think it's the second half of this verse. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The, and to me, that context clearly says that fire uh, simply represents the judgment that will come through Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day when Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, he knows the difference. And uh, they might look similar uh, to some because it's kind of all there together. Uh, but that's what the, the, the threshing floor was about, uh, to kind of shake things up and, and get the wheat that you wanted and discard the rest. And, and John says he'll burn up the chaff. <clears throat> so I think this is simply referring to the judgment of Jesus that will come on judgment day. Jesus warned about that very clearly. Uh, he used pictures like sheep and goats to, to say that there's going to be a day coming. We're going to be a great separation. And so uh, I simply think that G John's saying, look, I, I don't have the power to judge. Uh, my baptism is getting you ready for the guy who has the power to judge and whose words will eventually judge you. So when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized uh, for forgiveness of sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we understand that there's a coming day uh, when we're all going to be judged by Jesus Christ to buy his words and his judgment will be 
absolutely right. So that's my interpretation of the fire. I think that's what it means. I think of that every time there's there's a small denomination that splits into different groups <coughs> and names themselves different things. And mm -hmm. One little group calls themselves the fire baptized Christians. <laughs> every time I see that I say, boy, mm. they, they don't want any part of that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, <laughs> they need to study that verse just a little more. They do. Being fire baptized is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Having tongues of fire over your head was yeah. kind of cool for, yeah, yeah. for those 12, but uh, I don't want any part of fire baptism. <clears throat> All right, a uh, question about uh, marriages. Viewer wants to know is it true? Is it true? That there are not any heaven, any marriages in heaven, uh, but double negative there. Me, uh, is it true there are not any marriages in heaven? Well, the one comment we have about that that Jesus made, uh, it sure sounds like it. I'm pretty sure there aren't. So let's just read it, and I think that'll answer it. Uh, Luke chapter 20, 34 and 35. Jesus replied, uh, "The people of this age marry and are given in marriage." But those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead uh, will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Uh, and they can no longer die, for they're like the angels. So, sure sounds like if you go to heaven, uh, there's not going to be any marrying or giving in marriage. And that's pretty clear. Now, what's not clear is how does that work? <laughs> and people have lots of questions about that, especially people that maybe have uh, buried one wife that they loved dearly and uh, a few <coughs> years later found another woman that uh, met their needs and helped them be a good Christian and they married them and had a great life together. Uh, and they're saying, whoa, what's going to happen in heaven if there's no marriage? Uh, I've got two wives I loved and uh, I mean, you can just you can imagine the ramifications of this question. Well, I, the only answer I have is it's going to be completely different in heaven. And the purpose of marriage here was for a man and woman to complete each other. We need a companion like that. And the second part was to propagate, to fill the earth with children. We're not going to need that in heaven. Uh, and our other needs are going to be met somehow by fully being with Christ. Uh, so, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. I, I don't know how he's going to work it out, uh, but I think it'll just be fine. We will get along with uh, everybody that's there. there. There aren't going to be any tears of jealousy or anything else. Uh, it's going to work out just fine, but I think our viewer's right. No marriage is in heaven. <laughs> Take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, this program's uh, produced by the Northside Church of Christ here in Wichita. And we've got a number of other congregations across the country that help us stay on the air. And we like to mention one or two of those each week. Uh, today, let me mention the Home Church of Know Your Bible. We talk about that every once in a while, along with our other supporters. But uh, we're on the north side of Wichita as you head toward Valley Center on uh, Meridian. Get off of uh, K96 here at exit 13, and you'll be right at our building almost. Uh, we'd be happy to have you visit anytime. Got one uh, excellent program there, let me tell you about. We've got a lot of excellent programs, but one that you might be interested in. It's on Thursday nights. We have a Celebrate Recovery program. Uh, it's a great uh, help to people that uh, have suffer from life's hurts, habits, and hangups. If you've got any of those, which all of us do, uh, 7 o'clock on Thursday nights, 
meet at the Northside Church on North Meridian and uh, you'll be introduced to the program and decide if it can be a help in your life. But it's helped a lot of people and it's a, a excellent program. So come visit us for that or just come visit us for worship any Sunday. We'd be happy to meet you. Of course, wherever you live in the New I Know Your Bible market area, you'd probably find a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we appreciate that and uh, drop in and visit them sometime. If you're looking for a church home, you'd be warmly welcome. All right, Toby, give, it, give us another one we're here. We're ready for the obedience question. There you a come. viewer wants to know what exactly does obedience mean and how do I be obedient? I really want to be truly obedient to God. I appreciate so much the heart of your question and because I, I, I love people who love God and who want to do the right thing. Obedience simply means to do what Jesus commands uh, from a Christian obedience perspective. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands. He went on to say, <clears throat> Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And so Jesus was very clear that love wasn't just some emotional, warm feeling that you work yourself up to. It was when you love Jesus, you want to do what he asks you to do. And that's true for everyone from the apostles, uh, uh, disciples, leaders in the church, ministers. Uh, every single person has to decide really if they love Jesus. Well, what does that come down to then? To obey his commands to, 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 to do what he's asked you to do. <clears throat> Specifically, what then are we to obey? Well, I'm going to give you my answer to say, uh, uh, to say that uh, we need to obey everything that Jesus commanded and that he commanded the apostles to teach. And so that's going to be everything in the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation. As you look at those commands, uh, <clears throat> if you love Jesus, if you want to do what's right, if you want to be a part of his church, then you want to obey those things. And I appreciate so much. We get a lot of questions on here debating about whether oh, is baptism necessary, is worship, do we have to? And, and those are the, that, that's from the wrong vantage point. This viewer says, I want to do, I really love Jesus and I want to do what pleases him. And to me, that's the spirit of obedience. When you, sometimes you don't obey out of ignorance. Sometimes you just don't know any better. But when you, when you learn at, through study and through reading your Bible and you come across something that Jesus said to do, well, an obedient spirit simply says, yes, Lord. Um, in fact, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus <coughs> said, uh, many people would call Jesus Lord, Lord, uh, but would not enter the kingdom of heaven uh, because they didn't do what he asked them to do. And so we need to look at the whole of Jesus' teaching. Uh, that's everything from how to become a Christian through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. You can look at Romans chapter 6. You can look at Matthew 28, what Jesus said. Uh, look at all of those things, uh, even growing up in Christ. You know, all of the New Testament teachings in Romans chapter 12 or Galatians chapter 5. If you want to be <clears throat> obedient to God, how you learn to do that is by reading your New Testament uh, and looking at it and, and saying, just like this viewer said, I really want to do what Jesus says to do. And so if, if that's what you're wanting, that's a very simple answer. Just read it and then do, as Jesus said, go and do likewise. Uh, don't just uh, listen to what he says. Jesus' own brother in James chapter 1, verse 22 says, uh, wrote, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. 
Boy, that is so important. Easy to get into this program, study your Bible, maybe sign up for the Bible Correspondence. But if you don't do what it says, you're missing the whole opportunity uh, presented by the Word of God. So I want to encourage you to sign up for the Bible Correspondence course. Uh, I would encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you and really get into studying and knowing the Word so that you can obey it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Toby. If you want to go about uh, where in the Bible do you find ashes to ashes and dust to dust? Well, I can tell you where you can find that phrase. You can find that in a lot of uh, preacher's funeral sermons. Uh, it's in their notes there somewhere and especially out at the graveside uh, when the internment happens. A lot of preachers say that, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Uh, you can find it in their sermon notes, but you can't find it in the Bible. That exact phrase is not there. Here's a couple ones that are close and let's look at those. Genesis 3.19b says, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Ezekiel 27, 18 says, I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. So that's two that are pretty close. And if you put them together, maybe you get ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But the Bible doesn't say that exactly anywhere. It's a true thing. We do return to dust eventually when we're buried. But uh, the Bible doesn't have that phrase in it. Toby, get yep. time for one I quick think one we'll, here. We'll work on it. Uh, if you were set, or asked a question, I spoke badly about God when my brother took his life. Have I blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? Well, I am unsure. I don't know the exact context of the situation. I don't think so as you describe it. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit goes much deeper than that. Blasphemy is simply the act of, so, of showing contempt uh, for the, and having a lack of reverence for God. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. Let's look at this verse together. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not scat, uh, gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, when you look at the context, the Pharisees of the time were looking at Jesus' own work and they were saying, that's the work of Satan right there. Uh, well, see, that's blasphemy of the Spirit. That's, that's showing utter <laughs> contempt and irreverence for the very Son of God and blaspheming the Spirit uh, that gave Him the power to do those things. And Jesus is very clear about that. Now, as you describe it, I don't think I can understand your frustration, your, your sadness and all of that, and your struggle with God, uh, maybe even doubting. Uh, of course, again, I don't know the whole of the situation, but if you read Matthew 12, the context of that is, were you giving credit uh, to satanic forces for something that God was doing? And it doesn't sound like you were. Uh, <clears throat> so let's read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. I believe you can repent and I believe you can restore your relationship with God through a, even through a terrible tragedy. Yep. All right. Thank you, Toby, and thank you viewers for your good questions today. We're glad you've been with us. Let's make sure we get our home question answered. <clears throat> Which apostles were brothers? And if you guess Peter and Andrew, you got it 
half right. Uh, <laughs> Peter and Andrew and James and John were the two sets of brothers. And Simon was actually Peter's real name. Peter was his nickname. So two sets of brothers. We're glad you've been with us today and glad we've answered a few of your questions. Going to do more of them next week. So we'll invite you back then. Till then, you have a great week. <clears throat> Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.